Hello and welcome back to another episode of Holistic Healers. Earlier this year, I had on a CPA who spoke a lot about how the stories we tell ourselves about money and our money impact our earning and our earning potential. If you haven't listened to that episode yet, um, definitely go give it a listen. It's on all streaming platforms. Um, It's called Manifesting Money with Claire Wood. But I think it's a really great segue into the episode we're going to have today. So since that episode with Claire Wood, um, I have gotten a lot of great requests asking for more financial health advice. Um, I can't give financial health advice because I'm not an advisor, a money mentor, or CPA of any kind. Um, However, I agree that this is a conversation that needs to be spoken about more. Um, For me personally, I want to learn more about it. And also just in general, right? When we talk about holistics, again, we are understanding how multiple areas of our world, our emotional health, our mental health, our physical health, um, our biological predispositions, our spirituality, kind of everything in between is important and is connected. And really with that is our financial health. And we need to talk more about it. So we're going to have another episode about it. Um, But I really wanted to talk to this money expert about a few different things. One, I wanted to learn more about what are some healthy ways we can build better money habits. Uh, The other thing I wanted to learn about was some positive money mindset advice. And one, what does that even mean? And two, how do we strive to get there? Uh, How do we find balance in our money and our spending? And then also, how do we change the way we think about our money? This was addressed in the last episode, but I think um, hearing about it from another person is going to be really important, um, especially how it relates to our overall wellness and well-being. So today, I invited on a guest. He is internationally recognized as a financial uh, preparedness advocate. He's an award-winning author as well as a podcaster like myself. Um, his mission is to help people get ready and stay prepared with money while changing the way we think about money. He has developed what's known as the Get Ready Movement um, to empower and educate people on topics ranging from personal finance to insurance. That's really integrating experts within that field. So some financial advisors, insurance agents, and other uh, financial coaches. He is also an advisor at Paperwork and Dingo Technologies. He's an expert content reviewer for Nerd Wallet. He's a contributor to Forbes Advisor, so he is definitely credentialed. Um, he has also been featured on some huge networking platforms like ABC, uh, New York Times, Washington Post, the Chicago Tribune, CNBC, uh, Fox Business News, right? You kind of get the gist. He is everywhere and he knows what he's talking about um and kind of all on top of this he is an author and he has several different books that i will mention in the description of the episode so if you're curious or want to read more about his work uh definitely go check it out they've all won numerous awards and are really used in multiple different settings from college you know courses financial planning certification courses um, insurance agency trainings. Uh, it's kind of just everywhere. So I don't want to take his light. So without further ado, I would like to welcome Tony Stewart to the Holistic Healers podcast. Welcome. Glad to be here, Morgan. Thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, of course. Um, why don't you first start off telling us a little about yourself and what you do? So uh, my name is Tony Stewart. Well, I guess you guys know that if you're tuned in. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do a little bit of a few different things. Um, my real mission is to change the way people think about money. So I'm focused on financial literacy education. I've been in the financial services community uh, for over 30 years in a variety of different roles. Okay. And so how did you get started doing all this? Because that's a lot of time being there. <laughs> 
<laughs> so I started off as most kids, you know, with a dream of working in the insurance world. Just kidding. So like most people in financial services, I sort of fell into it. Um, I majored in finance in college because I knew, yeah, I was interested in money. I knew whatever else can be doing would be involved with money. So yeah, I'd give it a try, see how I like the career. And I found that as I went through is I ended up um, as a consultant to financial planners and to attorneys that even professionals still struggle to understand the finer points of different financial services and products. And so that really interested in me. I'd taken some psychology classes and understanding how we could get people to think about money differently because it wasn't an issue of people not understanding the concepts. It was an, an issue of them more being able to process it and to be able to figure out. So that's that's what I'm concentrating on. That's what you know, I'm curious about, and that's what I hope to help other people learn as well. Yeah. So I guess I want to hear more about this backstory almost. So what were you seeing were like major problems with professionals? Because you would think like people who are, you know, in those worlds, like would know how to, you know, work with money, know what they're doing, but it sounded like that's not the case at all. Well, I think it's like everything else is there's so many facets to any specialty that um, I think there's a conception that you can be a general practitioner and know all the specialties that we know from the medical world that doesn't work. Um, you can have pretty good superficial knowledge of a lot of things, but there's very few people who can become expert in multiple specialties. And that's what really was occurring. And I think a lot of the best financial planners figured out, you know, like, hey, I can't know everything about everything. And I need to call in specialists in specific areas. And that's what I found to be the most interesting thing is that evolution to like, hey, we're not specialists of everything. We we need people who can specialize in certain things and make that connection. Yeah, absolutely. I want to give a little backstory about, I guess, how I met you, I guess, before we go down the rabbit hole of this episode. Um but I, I actually connected with you on LinkedIn, um, as you know, and I joined your Get Ready Expert, I think it was Money Guide group. Um, and I, I heard about it from a staff member of my college I went to for my undergrad. Um, and I, I think what you're talking about, like, you can't necessarily be a um, specialist in every um, area. And I wanted to not only understand finances a little better, but also just as a future psychologist, when I get licensed and wanting to have my own practice, I needed to hear from the experts like yourself. And so um, I reached out to you. I looked kind of, you know, in your background, I was like, oh my gosh, I want to learn from this guy. Like <laughs> you have so much to offer. So I wanted yeah. to bring that to attention too. <laughs> oh, I appreciate that. Yeah. And I was really excited to meet you is because I think people overlook the relationship of psychology to money and how individual makeup and background and experiences impact our financial decisions and vice versa, that there's a huge relationship that's just starting to be understood in the field of behavioral finance. Yeah. Tell me a little about behavioral finance. I don't think I've heard this integration before. Yeah. So it's, it's a new reflection of the fact that money does impact certain things. So if you are struggling to pay the rent, you're gonna be stressed out, which affects your mental health, but it's not necessarily a direct correlation. So that does impact it. But if you grew up and your parents acted a certain way around money, then that's how you're gonna act. I, I call it a money story, is your personal money story, but that's how you're gonna think about money until you've had your own experiences, but it may color your perception. If your parents didn't believe in the stock market, let's say, um, then you're probably not going to invest in stocks, especially if, you know, if you listen to your parents. Um, so, you know, all those things can color your financial decisions and impact whether you're able to be financially successful or not, or vice versa. Um, so that's really where the field is going, is that recognition that it's not just about the money. 
Yeah. It's the stories that we are told and also kind of what we're modeled and taught about money. Because at least for me, like my dad was into whole like stock stuff, but I didn't really learn about it. So I'm still in that position of like, I have no idea what's going on with money. Um, yeah. But yeah. And that's totally common. And then the other thing too is mindset is, um, you know, people's mindset, you know, are they conservative? Are they risk takers? Um, like Bitcoin, eh? you know, I love picking on Bitcoin uh, for people who've listened to me before is, you know, it's got its place like everything else, but it's, it's a relatively newer and riskier asset, but because it's got a lot of hype and it's, it's interesting, it's much more interesting than a mutual fund. Um, you know, a lot of people got into it because it's psychologically more appealing. So that's, that's, that's a real crossover. That's actually really interesting that like people who are more risk takers will probably find themselves more in that world, but also, you know, whether you're taught, taught about it or not, I guess there's, there's a possibility to get stuck in your finances or not be able to reach like your full earning potential. Um, and not tapping into that, I think is a important part of overall health and well-being. hundred percent. And, you know, one of the areas, you know, where, where I go to immediately is with the gender pay gap is with women, women still make less money than men and women are more conservative with their money um you know they, they don't ask for the same pay sometimes is there intimidated about doing it um they're not treated the same sometimes by people in the traditional financial services community so you also have that as a psychological impact that who you are as a person also impacts how you feel about financial services and products Oh, oh my. I didn't even think about that. Oh, like there's so much here. <laughs> like there's so much here that we it, can it, dive it, into. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's a deep field. And you know, that's you know, that but that's the real crossover between psychology and money and philosophy and all these things and to, to how our thinking impacts our money and vice versa. Yeah. So part of like your mission is to help people. Um, change the way they think about money. So how do you go about addressing that? Well, you know, um, I think it starts with habits. I think that's really where it is, as you know, um, with Get Ready My Books is I've tried to get into that. G is for goals, just thinking about your goals, but also T is for thinking and your mindset, like we're talking about, is, you know, your goals are super important because you have to know what you want to achieve, uh, but your mindset's also important. But then you also have to think about, like, okay, what's personal for me? What do I want to achieve? Is because you and I probably have different financial goals. I'm guessing if we got into yeah. it, probably, maybe not. Yeah. Maybe we have the same financial goals, um, but it's it's more likely that we don't. And no two people are alike. And that's the thing is that, you know, I want to help people understand that you have to find the solution that's right for yourself. But it, but I think that it's best for people to be able to discover it on their own is to give them the tools rather than just talking at them about money, which traditionally how it's been done in the financial services world. Yeah, I feel like a lot of people, at least when, you know, they're talking to me about, you know, money stuff which obviously I, I mean I don't have any great advice about it that's why I brought you on here in the <laughs> past um but they always just are like you know I want to just get rich like how do I get rich and I don't think like you're saying like I don't think that's the way to address it I think it's more kind of attaching it to your goals and your values other than just I want to make a ton of money <laughs> exactly well you know and, and that, that is a great um Point. And it brings up, you know, Warren Buffett, who's depends on the day, the world's richest man, um, who lives in the same five bedroom house he bought in 1958. And it's, you know, he could buy any house he wanted. He could buy any city he wanted. And, you know, but to, but to him, you know, that's okay because it's fulfilling his needs and his goals. Um, you know, having that house, it's enough for him. And I think that's a thing that's missed is, you know, 
like, hey, I want to get rich and I want to buy a mansion because maybe I've seen it on Instagram, you know, or whatever. But, you know, is that really rich? Or are you, your relationships what make life rich for you or your experiences? Um, you know, that's that's what makes life rich, I think, for people. Yeah. And I think to really back out and see, you know, what brings you, like you said, fulfillment can Maybe you don't even have to worry about money. Maybe that doesn't bring you joy in life. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, you, you know, you have to be able to cover expenses, of course. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, so mon money is critical, but it's, I, I think the way to look at it is that it's a tool that helps you achieve your goals. And it's like, you have to understand the right tool. If you're going to fix your cars, you know, you need the right tools and then you need to know how to use those tools. And that's the thing with money is we end up with a bunch of tools we pick up. We have an insurance policy here. We have a retirement account there. We have a savings account over here. We have all these tools. We have no idea what the tools are or how to use them or how they work with each other. And that, that's the other big part is seeing how everything within the financial service community connects to each other. Yeah. I wonder if well, you brought up Instagram. Like, I wonder if social media has influenced our perception of money or like those narratives that we tell ourselves about money what was it the money stories you mentioned it, it has and it hasn't is you know before instagram there were different ways that people would you know maybe it was a movies maybe it was television and it's you know this is how the rich people live uh, there used to be the show lifestyles of rich and famous Oh yeah, and it would show people's mansions and things like that, and be like, you know, so it's just like Instagram, but you know, it's only one person's house at a time that you view a week. Um, but so it's like slow Instagram. Okay, okay, yeah, I'm curious about that too, just because there's all this pop, like pop psychology stuff. So I was curious if there was also that integration with finances there. Um, but yeah, I think you bring up a great point. I think just in general, how important our financial health is and really understanding the goals and the values we have behind it that can drive us into learning about it or growing our finances if we need it. Yeah, 100%. And like you point out is there's always going to be something that you look at that goes, wow, you know, I wish I had that lifestyle or I wish, <laughs> you know, I had that. And yeah, that that's okay if that's what Float your boat, but for most people, you know, it's not really going to make them much happier. It's not really what they want to achieve. You know, most people, you know, their goal is to make sure they have enough for themselves, they have enough for their family, you know, enough for their kids, and that's going to give them satisfaction. Um, you know, not necessarily the big houses or the fancy apartments you see on Instagram or Snapchat or TikTok, you know, <laughs> and so we'll we'll go there since I brought up TikTok is, you know, like a lot of these people giving out financial advice on TikTok and Instagram. If you think about it, like with your career, would you take psychology advice from those people? Nope. <laughs> but it's interesting how few, many people would not take advice in their own field from people on TikTok, but yet they'll take financial advice. And it's, you know, and that's the thing is, you know, that, that's another thing I talked about is thinking about the source of your information. And that could be, you know, it's a plus and a minus having access to all the information in the world. You, you know, the plus and minus is you have access to all the information in the world, good and bad. And so it's being able to sift through it to find the information that's valuable that's challenging part. So you mentioned earlier, like, some money habits or like building some healthy money habits. Um, what are some recommendations or like, how would you go about doing that? So, you know, um, obviously I recommend the get ready method and my new book coming out, mm -hmm. the get ready blueprint where I really get into that, but you know, you know, goals, thinking about your goals first rather than the product is so like going back to Bitcoin, because, you know, I, I love beating up on Bitcoin. People heard me. Uh, What's wrong with Bitcoin? Is, I mean, that's this isn't my world. So <laughs> maybe that's a we'll whole other... We'll go down that road just for a second. <laughs> well, the thing is, there's nothing really inherently good or bad about Bitcoin is you could debate whether it's a good investment or not, but it's like any other investment. It, as long as other people think it holds value, it holds some value. 
But as Warren Buffett puts it, I wouldn't pay $25 for all the Bitcoin in the world. So it's a matter of judgment. But where you get into the goals first rather than product is, you know, you have to think about, okay, well, I want to be financially independent when I'm 50, you know, if that's your goal. Then you think about, okay, well, what are the best tools to help me reach my goal? But in the financial services world, the approach has been like, hey, I have Bitcoin, which is a wrench. What am I going to fix with my wrench? You know, instead of looking at your car and saying, okay, well, you know, I need to change my air filter. Well, wrench may or may not help you change your air filter. It may or may not be the right tool. And that's, that's the thing with Bitcoin. People are like, well, I need to buy Bitcoin. I need to buy Bitcoin. It's going to go up. Well, yeah, it may or it may not. But what is your goal? If your goal is to be financially independent at 50, then, you know, get the right tools and maybe Bitcoin is one of those tools or not. And so I think that's one of the habits you have to think about is really just like what's personal for you. What do you want to, you know, you know, don't ignore the noise. Think about yourself and what you want to do. Yeah. So that's, that's definitely one habit I would suggest people think about. Okay. And you mentioned there's a whole bunch of other, I guess, habits um, in this book. Can you describe your book to me? Sure. So it's called The Get Ready Blueprint, a 52-week guide to changing the way you think about money. And so I introduced the eight get ready habits, you know, there's goals, thinking about expenses, details, um, thinking, changing your mindset around money, but then integrating those goals each week into a different financial task. So I, I did it with 52 weeks is one is so people can do it every year and keep reviewing different areas of their financial lives. Cause that's one of the biggest problems is people get a financial service or product and then they don't get back and review it. Life changes, their life changes, product changes, they don't go back and review it. But the other thing is that I want people to be empowered to make their own choices and to have the information. So by integrating these habits, then when it comes time to, let's say, review your savings account, you're thinking about that, okay, I'm thinking about my goals first, product second. I'm always thinking about my goals first. I'm thinking about you know, my mindset. Am I risky? Does being invested in the stock market, does that scare me? You know, am, am I okay taking some risk? You know, so if you're thinking about that first, then you're reducing your stress, which helps with your mental wellness, um, which is what brought us together for this conversation. But you're also able to better evaluate the different financial services or products and say, okay, well, this makes sense for me. This doesn't make sense for me. So that, that's how I look at it. everything sort of coming together. Uh, but at the end of the day, allowing people to be educated for themselves. Yeah. And I think the important piece with that is just having autonomy and having some choice and knowing, you know, just being really informed with what you're doing instead of just kind of having a blind eye to it. <laughs> yeah. And choice is a big part of it is, you know, people have choice and they tend to forget that, you know, you, you think that you can only get one mortgage or you can only do, you know, one type of insurance possibility, but there's choices and there's even choices of how you design each one of those things. So, you know, that, that's what I want people to be aware of, you know, choices is another one is thinking about your options, Yeah. you know, and customizing it for yourself. So what happens if someone has like, um, money story that says like, you know, they can't get rich or like my family wasn't rich. So therefore, like, I can't get out of my current situation. How would you go about addressing that? Because I would imagine people would feel suck. They feel like they don't have any choice and autonomy. How would you go about dealing with that? Well, so, you know, um, I, I start with the habits, of course. Um because that's my fallback, but you know, it, it, it really is changing that mindset. It's building up confidence with small wins. Um, just like with anything, it's that first step that is the most challenging, but it's deciding, and this is where the mental factor comes in. It's more important for them to decide that they want to try to make the change, whether or not they're going to be successful or not, because you're not going to be successful every time you try something, but it's like, okay, well, do I have Am I willing to try the next step? What do I need to know to make the next step to make it a little bit less risky? 
it's like driving. What is going to make driving a little bit less risky for you? Well, probably knowing the rules of the road may be helpful. <laughs> you know, not driving over the speed limit is going to make it less risky. So it's like, well, what are the rules of the money game? You know, how am I not going to speed down the road and be able to look out before I pull into traffic and not get in an accident? So it's, you know, it's those little things. But as you do it, it's just like if you think back to when you learned how to drive, you build confidence. As you get small successes, small successes lead to big successes. I know that's kind of a trite thing, but it, but it's true. And, you know, so that's, that's it for people as I encourage them to try small things, get a little bit out of their comfort zone. But, you know, the more they know the rules is I think the more comfortable people become is because, and that takes a little bit of the mystery out of it and a little bit of, you know, like that negative anticipation is because most things are never as bad as we think they're going to be. Yeah. And just becoming more familiar and comfortable with those little steps too. I think we're going to be more inclined to try things later once we do that. Yeah, that, that's it. Is you know, and once you've had that success in a certain area, you are going to go back and do it again. Because once you've said, okay, well, maybe I can save a little money. It's like, even if you save a dollar a week for a year, you know, you save $52, but you have also saved $52. So the next year you say, okay, well, I'm going to save $2 a week <laughs> because I was able to do that. And I was successful. You know, look at me, I'm a saver now. <laughs> You know, and you've changed, you've changed your habits, you've changed your mindset, and then all of a sudden you've changed your savings account. Yeah, yeah, $100 isn't going to make any difference down in the long run, but it's a small step to changing the way you think about money. Yeah, and it's better than not, I feel, like you were saying, like it's, we got to exactly. take that small step and learn. Exactly, but, you know, but it's really doing it for yourself. And deciding that you can do it, and, you know, that you have the confidence, you have the skills to be able to do it. And in, in, in a small victory, it doesn't matter how small it is. It's still a victory. It's like losing weight. You know, you lose that first pound and you're like, okay, well, I can actually do this. You know, whereas losing weight can be kind of challenging. Yeah. So, yeah. What, what are some common... Uh, I guess kind of switching gears, but like, what are some common money stories you hear working with some of your clients? If you, if you, I would imagine you have some clients, but what are some common ones you hear from people? Yeah. So like you said, is, is one of the, um, one of the most common ones is that I can't do this. Mm -hmm. And, And, you know, so that's, that's part of it is helping people just get started, um, with something, um, one of the other common ones is the intimidation that, you know, I heard this about financial services. You know, I started in the life insurance industry. And so there's all kinds of horror stories you hear about mm-hmm. life insurance and like, you know, this is horrible and it's it's a bad product. Why would somebody need this and stuff like that? So, you know, so it's part of it is learning about the product and what it can do and not do and sort of demystifying it and helping people understand like, okay, well, this is where it works and where it doesn't work. And then once people feel educated about it, they can make the judgment for themselves as to whether, so I I was teaching long before I knew I was teaching (laughs) is, you know, letting my clients make the decision as to whether something was right for them. I figured my job was to provide them with sufficient information. Um, But that's, that's, that's one of the biggest things is feeling that they're not going to be able to understand a financial service or product, but recognizing that even, yeah, yeah, some products are incredibly sophisticated and do take a master's to understand, but most products are not that complicated, you know? So it's taking the time just like anything else. And I think that's the thing is people are intimidated because financial service also has its own language Mm -hmm. that's, complex and a lot of people in the industry are like okay we don't really need this jargon but it exists so it's just like learning a new language and learning that language you know if i start saying derivative and premium and deductible you're like okay that's great and most of your audience will go like okay 
whatever, <laughs> you know. Everyone's all but, tensing you know, up same, now. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, derivative. He said derivative. <laughs> uh, so, you know, but once you learn that language, it's, it's just like learning a different language. But once you learn it, you feel comfortable because you can speak the language. And so that's, that's the other thing. It's, you know, gaining some comfort that you can speak the language. I would imagine too, just like feeling scared that maybe, maybe this is just me, but I feel like just getting like in trouble. Like if I don't do it right, like is something going to happen? Are they going to take away my money? Like I've heard that obviously from me, but also like from a bunch of people, like, like I'm, I am, I, I don't want to say a new adult, but I graduated college. I'm now in graduate school, but I'm like, I still feel like a young, like very young new adult. And I'm like, I'm still learning the world. And I'm like, what the, what do I do? <laughs> so I kind of get scared sometimes. I'm like, am I going to get in trouble? Is the government going to come after me? What's wrong? <laughs> well, you know, if you don't pay your taxes, the government yeah. will come after you. Short of that, you know, most of the things, you know, they're, they're not. But, you know, in all seriousness, it's like, let's go back to Bitcoin. Is Bitcoin is a really good example of, well, what's the worst that can happen? Well, with Bitcoin, the worst that can happen is you could lose all your money. That's bad. So is that an unacceptable risk? Maybe, maybe not. If you put 1% of your savings into Bitcoin, it's not a big deal. You lose 1% of your money. If you put 100% of your money into it, then it becomes a big deal. So, you know, the thing is, is that you always have to think about like, well, what's the worst possible thing that can happen? You know, um, let's say you're looking at an auto insurance policy and you're looking between two different carriers. You have one carrier that's super well known. You know, I'm not going to name names, but, you know, you see them on during the Super Bowl and, you know, you know the carrier and, they're huge and they offer you auto insurance and there's another company that's an exciting fintech company and you know they're offering rates that are 15% lower well what's the worst that can happen you know if you want to be super safe and you you come from a money mindset you know with your parents where they were like always you know be very careful with your money and things like that then you may go with a bigger well-known carrier where you'd know that they're going to be around, you're going to pay more money, but it gives you some peace of mind. Or you may say, well, you know, I, I'm willing to risk it to save a little bit of money on premium with a newer company because, you know, I think that they're going to be okay, you know, but it's an auto insurance policy. And so what's the worst that can happen is they don't replace the cost of your car. Oh. If you get in an accident, of course you have liability and insurance and stuff. So, you know, I mean, it could become a lot worse, but in reality, what's worse can happen? Well, and the banking thing is a good thing to think about is, you know, there's concern over the banks. Well, most people have FDIC insurance on their banking accounts up to $250,000, which for most of us is plenty. <laughs> most of us don't have 250,000 sitting around in our bank accounts. And I'm sure as a new college graduate, you probably have way more than 250,000 in all your bank accounts, but <laughs> what to say that you don't maybe. Um, and, you know, but what's the worst that can happen? The worst that can happen we saw it so far is the banking regulators stood in. They said everybody who had their account is going to be made whole. Even people who had more than the 250,000 insurance limit. Um, with the government. But that's that's the thing that people have to ask themselves is, you know, like, okay, well, how much risk am I comfortable taking on? And what's the worst thing that can happen? And if you can't face the worst thing that can happen, well, then you know you need to make another choice until you're comfortable with the worst possible outcome. Because, you know, that there's something called the risk return principle in financial services. And basically, it states that the more risk you take on, the higher your return should be. So if you're taking on a lot of risk, you should take more return, uh, get a higher return. But if you're not taking much risk, you may not get a high return. So that's kind of how you have to look at things like, if okay, if I'm going to take more risk and the worst possible thing could be worse, then I need a higher return for that. Oh. So within that model you were just describing, is there like 
an optimal amount of risk? Like, should you be right in the middle? Should you, I don't want to say shoulds either, because I know it kind of just depends on what you're like investing in or whatnot, but like, is there an area you should be around? That's an excellent question. There's whole <laughs> companies that are built around okay. assessing risk. <laughs> so, um, but because that is really, it, it, it is personal. Okay. However, there is sort of a range for everybody um, of the risks that you should be taking on, let's say in an investment portfolio. But if you go to a big company like Schwab, Vanguard, Fidelity, they'll have risk profile questionnaires and calculators on their website that you can go through and you know, answer questions like, you know, if your stock portfolio lost 50% of its value in a year, would you freak out? Would you be totally cool? Or would you not even notice? And then it'll give you a risk score based on how you answer it. Now, that's a that's a little bit drastic on the questions, but you know that's essentially what they're trying to get at. Like, is is it going to freak you out? Are you going to be copacetic with it? You know, can you coast on that? You know, and then you know they help you design a portfolio based around that that risk profile, and that's where knowing yourself, which is where the psych psychological component comes in. You know, are you a risk taker? Are you somebody who naturally is conservative? Um, you know, because that's that's part of our nature. That that's not even our money stories. We have our human nature where we're gonna say, you know, I'm just not big on taking risks. Nothing wrong with that. And other people are like, hey, I'm gonna jump out of that plane, you know, <laughs> even though it's a perfectly good airplane. <laughs> and, you know, and and that's okay. You know, that's that's a risk that they're willing to take. And you know. And money is the same way. You have to find out what your risk return is and if you can accept the worst possible outcome. So for people who maybe are just starting out wanting either in the stock market or an auto policy or anything like that, um, do you think like this, like the habits of like setting goals and all that stuff would be helpful for them? Or would you recommend something outside to them when they're first starting out learning about this whole process? Is there anything you would tell them? Well, perfect. E is for education and get ready. Okay, and there we go. <laughs> to find, find a good, you know, find good resources, um, people to follow who actually know what they're talking about. Um, that gets back to the we were talking about with TikTok is I'd urge people, you know, go out and find different voices who are talking about money in different ways, but in ways that resonate with them, but actually, you know, know what they're talking about. Like um, if they're in the medical field, there's somebody called the white coat investor, a doctor who started writing about money and he's really good. And he gets in a lot of people to write for his blog and, uh, you know, on his podcast and things like that, where they talk about money for physicians. And so you can find people, you know, sometimes in the traditional financial service community, sometimes not. Um, he was frustrated because he wasn't getting, finding good financial services for doctors and financial information. So he decided to create an information resource. So it doesn't always have to be. I mean, usually you want people who are qualified and have experience, but it doesn't necessarily have to be if somebody's done a lot of research and, you know, you still want to take it with a grain of salt because they still don't have the experience. It's like somebody who's read a lot about heart surgery. You know, if you need heart surgery, you're still going to want to go to a heart surgeon. <laughs> you know, and somebody who went to medical school, even if they know a lot about it, but you can still get a lot of good ideas from somebody who's read every book ever on heart surgery mm -hmm. because they're still going to have a lot of good information, but they may resonate with you in a way because they're going to speak to you as a non-professional where you can then go, okay, if I have a frame of reference, I'm gonna go listen to the professional heart surgeon who I'm not gonna understand half of what they say, but at least have a point of reference for what they're saying. Yeah, that's a good idea too, to just kind of expand who you're listening to and just try to soak in as much, but also like you said, like take it with a grain of salt and really check who you're listening to as well at the end of the day and how it's guiding your decision. Exactly. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's fine to listen to people, but, you know, think about how they're influencing you. You know, are they trying to sell you something? You know, what's what's their motivation for putting out the information? You know, at, at the end of the day, are they being compensated through affiliate fees? 
Um, are they selling you an online course? You know, are they selling you a book? You know, or are they somebody who's inspired for education? Yeah. So, what about people who are maybe starting? Well, maybe this is me too. Who have their own business, <laughs> or or people who are just looking to start their own business? Um, do you think like the? I think you. Uh, we're talking maybe you were talking about it um but do you think all like your goals and the habits and the mindset stuff would be applicable to them as well 100 percent, yeah from you know because you have to think about it because at, at your core is you have two parts of your businesses you have the actual business that you're running you know and, and you're going to be running a practice i'm assuming at least at first right mm-hmm. and you know so you have that component but there's always the business side of it and I think when somebody's starting a business is that you have to make sure you have what you're going to be doing and that that's a good plan. You know, how many clients you're going to see, blah, blah, blah. But you also have that business component, which is how many clients are you going to see? Are you going to have to see five clients a day and you're going to have to charge them X amount per hour and you know, how much are your office expenses, all that boring stuff. But it's the same thing as managing your personal and financial life. You're going to have to make sure you have the right insurance. You have to make sure you're going to, be able to cover the expenses. You have to make sure, you know, of all those different things, you have a plan um, for it. So you're thinking about the same thing. You know, what are the goals? Do I want to see 20 patients a day? You know, do I want to see two patients a day? You know, if I only want to see two patients a day, well, then I'm probably not going to be able to get that fancy office. Um, That's okay. I may just rotate with another, you know, psychiatrist. And that's, that's an okay choice as well. So, yeah, so I think those habits apply to any adult planning that you're doing, um, that they come in handy. Yeah. We were actually talking at my, uh, my grad school, we were talking about this with some of my other classmates, but we were like, we don't have any business classes for like running your own private practice. And it just like confused me. I was like, why don't we have this? Because like, I don't think we should be learning about it just brand new as psychologists, like right in the field. Like we should get some help with people who already have their own businesses. Um, but yeah, it made me think about that. Like, it's so wild. We don't get taught that. It's just the psychological interventions and all that. What's well, interesting. There's so many things you don't learn in school that you actually need. <laughs> it, I know. It's like it's so many practical skills and they're like, why did I learn? You know, like I remember I learned in college about geology and that has come in really handy quite often, you know, being able to identify an igneous rock. I don't even know what that is anymore, but, you know, but, you know, but instead like, yeah, like you said, it's like, okay, well, how, how do I run a business? You know, how do I manage my daily life? And that's, that's where I'm trying to get out with the materials I've created with Get Ready is, you know, like, how do you run your daily financial life, because there's not even anything really in that area. There's a lot like, okay, well, here's how you create an investment portfolio, which is fantastic because you know, you need to know how to do it. There's a lot on, here's how to create a retirement plan. And that's fantastic because you need to be able to do that, but there's nothing that says, okay, well, like, what are you going to do every day to make sure you have all the beneficiaries updated on your different plans when you have a kid, you know? What are you going to do about that? Where do you have your savings account? When was the last time you thought about your savings account? And so that's the problem that I'm coming to is, you know, I I used to be at a very complex, arcane area of the financial services field is that, you know, I noticed that really there was a lack of communication. It's kind of come full circle where our conversation started is in the conversation between different advisors and understanding what different advisors did and seeing how things fit together. So I wanna help people see how things fit together. So you can say, okay, well, I have my auto insurance policy over here. Is there a relationship with my bank account? You know, I mean, there's, there's not between auto insurance policy and bank account, but you know, it's to start to draw those lines between different things and say, okay, well, this is a big puzzle mm-hmm. and here's how it's all gonna fit together. Because as you said, nobody's learning that. Or some people are when they're in college, but most people aren't. Yeah. Yeah. And like you said, like, you know, this is an important life skill. You're, we're not always going to learn about it in school, which I mean, a majority of my life I have been in school. So I'm like, oh, I must learn everything in school. Um, 
But I think just in general, kind of this whole theme we've been talking about is financial health is integrated and connected with other facets of our health and well-being and our life in general. Um, and we need to focus on it more, um, whether we get it in school or not. So it's just a tool we need more of. <laughs> yeah, and 100%, because no matter what you do, you're going to be earning money. Well, hopefully you're going to be earning money. But um yeah, you also have to have expenses and, you know, take care of your medical expenses and all the different things. And so you have to, you know, have some knowledge. It's just like anything else, you know, is, you know, with your apartment or house, you know, you can have somebody in to repair it toilet, or you can call a plumber. Yeah. Those, those are your choices. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah. And even like in our, like, in the psychology world, there's Maslow's hierarchy of needs and on the base is like your shelter, your food, your water. And most of that, if not all, is rooted in earning money. So I feel like we just can't remove ourselves from it. And I guess that's another reason why we need to talk more about our money stories and um, what we know about it and what we don't know about money so that we can start learning. 100%. And that's why in the finance field, a lot of people are starting to talk. There's a financial, there's a new designation financial therapist. Um, and that's kind of a growing field. There, there's not very many people yet in it, but I think it's, it's going to have a lot of growth is because people are realizing that, you know, hey, you know, how you think about money and all these things that you bring to it impact your financial decision and vice versa. And your money is going to impact the rest of your life. That's not, you know, it's not like you go to work and your work life stops the minute you walk out of the office. It doesn't, mm -hmm. you know, everything tracks to the rest of our lives. Yeah. Well, after this podcast, I could become a financial or money therapist. Who knows? <laughs> there you, You've taught me a so growing much. Field. <laughs> <laughs> I would encourage it. Just to start to wrap up, I ask my guests um, if they have any general recommendations or advice for the listeners. Um, so with your expertise and everything that you've done, um, is there anything that you would like to let the listeners know of or takeaways before we wrap up? Well, I think the biggest takeaway is to learn, um, to take the time to learn about financial services and products before you start a new financial service or product. That's, I think, one of the biggest issues that I'd run across is people would buy something either because they felt like they had to, um, because of a time limit, or they felt they needed to because somebody was in their ear about it, or they felt that there was a deadline, and then they would regret the financial service or product later on. So, you know, or they would buy the wrong financial service or product because they didn't have the right information. They'd say, boy, you know, if I had known that about it, I never would have gotten it. And, you know, I'd always think like, well, how come you didn't learn more? And then, you know, and then the thought would strike me, well, where would they have learned more? And so that's the thing is, you know, there are some good resources out there. Of course, you know, my website, I have some resources, um, the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, um, from the government has some really fantastic resources um and you know so you can ask around and find good resources that work for you and find messages that resonate with you but you know take your time there's not usually a rush so that's that's the biggest thing is you know i tell people you know take a breath make sure you understand something and do it on your own terms yeah well there's a breathing exercise there there's some psychology <laughs> Well, well, yeah, it, it, and it's the same thing. It's you, you, you can't dive in, and that's usually so, you know, and I've worked with fraud victims, and it's usually a thing is people pressure them. It's like, hey, you need to do this. You know, this is expiring tonight. This is the last chance to get in this offer. Oh, you don't need to tell your wife about that. You know, she'll just talk you out of it. You know, I've got the best deal for you around. And, you know, so it's, it's, you know, laying in all the psychological markers and that's how they get people is, um, you know, so by taking, you know, by doing your breathing exercise, you're also clearing your head at the same time so you can make a smart, informed decision. Yeah. 
And so you mentioned some resources, but I want to hear, or I guess maybe the listeners want to hear, where can they work with you? How can they get in contact with you? Um, where can people find you? Well, you can find me um, through my website, uh, TonyStewart.com. Um, you can also, um, right now, I'm pretty much active on LinkedIn. It's about the only place I'm active, uh, but I'm always up for connecting with new people. And, uh, you know, so th those are the two best places. I have a newsletter that I send out um, weekly with a weekly financial action item, which is tied into that calendar um, to get you thinking about like one topic, like I think this week I'm talking about expenses. And so my big tip is just like, think about your expenses. Don't be afraid to ask for a discount. You know, like, so if you have cable insurance and you've had the same package for two or three years, you can call up your cable company and usually say, hey, you know, is there anything you can do to help me reduce my costs? And they'll almost always reduce your costs because they don't want to lose you as a customer. Okay, well, I'm going to make that call after this. <laughs> So I was like, two years, I think I'm at it that works. point. <laughs> <laughs> well, it usually works. So if it doesn't work, you can't get too bad. Okay. <laughs> so. okay. Yeah, I, I'd even love to, if you would want to um, introduce you, we have a director of clinical training, but we do like community meetings every Saturday. But I feel like she'd love to have you on if you wanted to, to, you know, talk to all the students about the importance of finances and all that. So um, if that's something you're interested in, I can let you know about that too. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. hundred percent. Glad to do it. So awesome. I always enjoy that. Awesome. All right. Well, um, thank you so much for being on. It was great to talk to you and meet with you today. Yeah, you as well, Morgan. I really appreciate the opportunity. It's a great conversation. Yes. And we'll sure to have you back. Um, and thank you all to the cool. listeners today, tuning, subscribing. Um, if you are interested and you don't follow along already, uh, feel free to do that. I'm on Spotify, Apple, Google, kind of anywhere you can find a podcast I'm on. Um, my Instagram, pretty active on that one. I'm at, at holistic um, underscore healing LC. I'm on LinkedIn too. That's how I met you. Um, but yeah, feel free to reach out if you uh, want to be the next guest or you need some sort of session or service with me. Um, but talk to you all soon. Bye.